No one deserves grace. You don't earn grace. Grace is the natural state of the universe. It's the natural unfolding of everything, including our own karmas, our own lives. Welcome to the Krishnadas Pilgrim Heart Hour. In this podcast, Krishnadas shares his warm-hearted and down-to-earth path to the divine. If you are interested in supporting Krishnadas's podcast, please go to beherenownetwork.com/kd.
Hare 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 Hare
Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare 
Krishna, Krishna, Krishna. Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare, Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna, 
Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Sweet the sound that saved us. 
soul like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. A blind soul blind, but now I see. I Krishna, Hare Krishna, 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 Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama. Many years ago, Ty was still playing with me, and we were touring in Brazil, in uh, Australia. And I think it was Sydney. No, it was Melbourne. We had to come back to Melbourne at the end of the tour because there were so many people who wanted to come again. Tickets were so many tickets were sold. So. And it was rushed, kind of added in. So we got there, and <clears throat> and when we got to the hall, there was no time to do sound check. We had to do like a really quick setup, and we didn't have time to really set up. And it was hot and muggy, and the AC didn't work, and it was just super intense. And it really, so we're singing, you know, and I was kind of all weirded out. And we're singing and singing and singing, and finally, just inside, I just, I don't know, I just said to Maharaji inside, I said, what would it be like if I could really sing to you? <laughs> like that, you know? And all of a sudden, I felt like this wind, this breeze came of like ecstasy. And I just, I kind of lost it. I was just like, and I, I started, I, I lost the beat, and I was all, you know, I was just so, and I remember Ty was playing drums, and he was looking over at me like, what, you, what what's going on? And I just thought, just follow me. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, you know. It was so crazy. <laughs> so you just never know. Anyhow, you never know, you never know. Uh, let's take some questions, and then we'll sing some more. <laughs> okay, a question about the ritual of death in India. What is the deeper meaning to the chant Ram Nam Satyahe as the bearers carry the body to the 
burning gods. Ram Nam, they say Ram Nam Satyabo Satyahe Satyahe Satyabo Satyahe. So Ram's name is the truth. Sorry, I didn't quite catch that. Could you please repeat it? <laughs> well, you see, I think Siri wants to know what Ram's not, Ram Nam Nam is. Why are you doing this to me? Uh, <laughs> let's get you out of here, I hope. Yeah, this has been a hell of a night. This is really something. Uh, I can't turn it off because I'm using that app. So how do you... Let me see, give me a second. Hold on. Uh, settings. General, maybe, right? Maybe. Siri? Where's Siri? Yeah, Siri. Okay. Off with your head. Okay. Sorry about that. But, you know, could be worse. Much worse. So, yeah. Ram Nam Satyahe Satyabol means say, say the truth. This is the truth. Ram's name is the truth. Speak the truth. Sing the truth. Right now, in that, while they're carrying the body to be burnt, they're trying to remind the soul also to focus on Ram because the being can still hear us usually from someplace, possibly. And so they're trying to give it the best send-off. You know, remember Ram, remember the truth, reality, what's underlying this illusion that we live in, which we call samsara, the world. Ram is the ultimate truth, the reality. And so it was Ram Nam Satyahe, Satyabol Satyahe. So very powerful, very powerful chant. What do I put in my ears? What do you mean? Those are in-ear monitors, you know, because I'm deaf and we're using a mixer to get good sound out to you. We're not having, the drum is only in the, in the mixer, it's not out in the room. So if I just put a mic here, you wouldn't hear the drum. So it's all going through the mixer, which means I have to hear it all with the in-ear monitors. I hope that's clear. Do, mantra, do, do mantras have the same effect on everyone, even if they are not familiar with it or practice it? Or is it stronger for people who are already have an understanding of mantra practice? Um, <clears throat> one of the meanings of meditation, bhajan or dhyan, one of the, the general meanings is to familiarize oneself with reality, with awareness, with yourself, your true self. So the more practice one does, one becomes more familiar with that feeling of letting go of the external stuff and moving more deeply into your own heart. So if you're doing more practice, you have, in some sense, a be, some idea, a better sense of direction or feeling for which way, where you move, what you move into as you chant. What else were you asking? Um, as far as the same effect on everyone, no, every, everyone has their own path. And uh, everyone experiences through their own subjective reality. And so... On one hand, every person is going to have a different experience of, of what happens when you practice. On the other hand, uh, 
everybody's having the same experience because we are all being uh, liberated little by little from our destructive negative emotions. But of course that's going to look different to each person. A question about enlightenment, whatever that means. Wondering if it's an on-off switch or more like a dimmer switch. <laughs> that's a good question. That's a nice way to put it. Um, <clears throat> in the big picture, it's a dimmer switch that's little by little brightened up, brightened, brightened, brightened until the clarity of the clear, the clear light emerges fully revealed. But that might look different in, like, for instance, like Ramana Maharshi, he was fully enlightened when he was 16, obviously because of all his, the previous karmas and the previous work he'd done on himself in previous lifetimes. He just laid down and recognized reality and then his life, never, his, his consciousness never changed after that. He was fully enlightened and remained fully rooted in reality his whole life. Other people will have little different experiences on the way. Uh, it's different for everybody. <clears throat> and you have to be careful not to um, get stuck in your mind about these things in the sense that when we talk about reality or what is real, there is what is real and that is always real. And then there's what appears to be real to us who are stuck in living in samsara, in the world of changes, of changing, of changing things all the time, in the world where there's suffering and pain and pleasure and pain, etc., etc. So in, at the same time, so they say that relative reality is you stop at the red and go at the green, and there's rules that are relatively true in this world. In other words, if you eat poison, you probably get sick and die. That, that's a, a rule. That's a, a fact. However, from the ultimate point of view, you were never born and you'll never die. But those two things cannot be... You can't... You, you shouldn't try to think yourself into those or make yourself believe ultimate reality while you're still worried about stubbing your toe and the pain that you'll get. It's very, it's different. Ultimate reality dawns just like the sun rises at the right time for us when we've, when our karmas come to that fruition. Re relative reality is where we live, but it's encompassed by ultimate reality. So in other words, if we remove the delusion, ultimate reality is there. And there's no delusion in ultimate reality. It always is, always will be. It's like when Krishna says in the Gita, some, the soul is never born, never die, you can't cut it, doesn't, you can't wet it. It, it, it. That kind of thing, it's beyond everyday relative reality. 
So for some, it looks like a dimmer switch. For some, it's like an on-off switch. For instance, Ramana Maharshi was on-off in some, to some degree. It's hard to know what his experience was, you know, how he saw his life before, but he's talked about it. It's very interesting. Uh, could you recommend a way to study the harmonium and chanting? I've studied sound healing with Jonathan Goldman and his wife. That's very nice. I don't know them. I've heard good things. And Laraji, I know Laraji. He's so wonderful. Yes, Laraji. So great. Um, I, I don't know what to tell you. I don't, you know, Jayutal has these kirtan camps where he works with people and teaches them how to sing kirtan. Uh, so that could be very useful for you. You know Jai Utah, so you can look him up. Uh, for me, I just sang. I, of course, I was in India, and I just started singing along with the, the kirtan while I was there. And I just kept singing, and I came back to America, and I just kept singing. And it just kind of changed into my own little version of it. But, uh, but I suppose there's ways you can learn how to play the harmonium. And, you know, we have, I have harmonium tutorials on my website, available on my website, that show you the hand positions for the, the, uh, the chants that I do. Uh, so if you have a harmonium, you could probably learn a lot that way also. But you just, uh, you know, I, I don't know what to say. Um, just start singing. It'll come. Start singing along with CDs, with streams, whatever you want to do. And, uh, you know, ask the universe to uh, help you out. How do we get over the feeling that Baba is laughing at us and start laughing with him? <clears throat> well, you know, I don't know what you mean when you say Baba's laughing at us. That tends to have a, uh, a judgmental feeling about it, that he's laughing at us, that we're so stupid. <laughs> uh, he doesn't laugh at us that way. He laughs at us with great love. Uh, so if you want to get with that, find that love in your own heart and then you'll be able to laugh along with him. Could I please talk more or explain about grace? <clears throat> you know, I suppose there are people who could really describe, tell, you know, really know what grace is. You know, one time I asked Siddhi Ma, Maharaji's great devotee, I said, Ma, <clears throat> is there personal effort needed or is it all Grace, is it all Maharaji's doing? 
In other words, is he doing pulling all the strings behind the curtains and we're just we're going through the motions, we think we're doing it all, but actually the puppet master is moving us around. Is it all him or is our effort needed? In other words, is is the puppet master picking up my arm with the string, or do I have to pick up my arm? Very interesting, you know. And she said, Krishnadas, it's all grace. But you have to act like it isn't. That's the crazy enigma of the, of that of grace. Yes, it's all grace. Ultimate reality is always here. We don't live in that. We live in relative reality. And in relative reality, it looks like we have to do some practice. It looks like we have to put food in our mouth. It looks like we have to do lots of things. So we do those things. Right? But ultimate reality, or on the devotional path, you would call it full surrender. The surrender of your separate self, your belief in a separate self. Because they say that there really is no ego. It just looks like there is. Whether there is or there isn't, who knows. But the point is that we don't know. We're not living in that truth that God is doing everything. Even though God is doing everything. You think you're asked a question, I think I'm answering it. So we're screwed right away, right? That's the deal. So, even though it's all grace, and it's all happened already, and deal is done, and we don't know that, so we must make an effort. That's how we wear out our... the negative karmas that keep us thinking that it's all about me, that I'm doing this, I need this, I want that, I'm going here, I'm going there. You know, our, 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 our daily reality. That delusion is the result of karmas. And it's only by making our own effort inside of those karmas that we can free ourselves from them. Even though the puppet master is pulling all the strings all the time. See, it's hard to talk about this stuff because the reality of these things are beyond... The conceptual mind can only do linear, and these things are not linear. They're, they're like that. And But grace is great. In other words, no one deserves grace. You don't earn grace. Grace is the natural state of the universe. It's the natural unfolding of everything, including our own karmas, our own lives. And it's not because one person is a better person than another that things, certain things happen that, or deserves blessings. No, it's not like that. It's not like that at all. The nature of grace is that it's always flowing. We're just not paying attention. 
we're not paying attention. We don't know how. We haven't familiarized ourselves with being present. And here, this moment, this presence, this present moment is where it is. But we can't enter into that through our willpower. We can only release what's holding us out of that with our will, our actions. And then we naturally begin to reside in the presence and in the present. So that's, I think that's the deal. When a moment happens to me, if somebody's asking me, when a moment happens to me that feels overwhelming, what do I do to calm myself in the moment? Uh, you know, Mr. Tuari used to always say, my boy, calm yourself, calm yourself. He used to tell me all the time, calm yourself. Ah. You do whatever you can, you know. If, if it's something that's going on like under the surface or something that, that I'm really aware of, sometimes I really sit down and just do chalisas or something like that. <coughs> or chant. And that definitely changes my relationship with whatever it was was going on. It may not have disappeared completely, but I may not be so caught in it. Or I might. It might, it might be so, such a big feeling that it's going to take a while for it to dissipate. One thing you don't want to do is fight with it. You don't want to fight with negative emotions. Nothing gives them negative emotions more pleasure than, than us trying to push them away. When that happens, they get so happy and they get so sticky, we can't get rid of them. So we have to learn how to uh, One of my Tibetan teachers always talks about making friends with the negative emotions. One of the teachers talks about the handshake practice. It's like you, you, you're starting to feel some n negative emotion like, say, jealousy or, or attachment, some, you know, you, something. And you notice it right away and you go, oh, hi, How, you're, you're, you're coming to see me? Well, that's so nice of you. Hi, come here. Have a nice shake. Yeah, come. Would you like a cup of tea? And you, by not, by addressing that feeling, you've separated yourself from the feeling. And you have a good possibility that that feeling is not going to engulf you completely in the same way that it might have. But even if it does... Little by little, you develop this, uh, it's almost like patience with yourself. Like you're, you feel sh like shit, or you feel this, that this negative emotion has really got you. But you're still here, even while you're feeling terrible. And you, you have to practice this. It's just not something you can think yourself into. It's a practice. So you, you, you notice that, 
you're really feeling like shit. And you'll also begin to notice that you felt like this so many times before in your life. You know, and like, then you start to feel like shit about feeling like shit. And then you, you know, and then you get even, you feel, but at the same time, you're not totally, the wave hasn't completely washed you out. Your, your head's still above the water, you can breathe. You're still with, you're present with it. And you notice how bad you feel. And you do feel that bit, you might feel bad. This is the way to train oneself to free oneself of all these negative emotions and to loosen the, uh, the, the glue, the stickum that, you know, when I used to play basketball, if we wanted to, my hands were a little too small to palm the ball, you know, hold the ball with one hand. But there was this spray called stickum. <laughs> so we used to spray our hands and then I could hold the ball, you know, and shh, that was fun. And maybe eventually I would have developed the, uh, the strength to hold it myself, but I kept smoking too much dope and I quit playing basketball. A long time ago. So, yeah. yeah. We, we, we tend to think that these bad, these unpleasant feelings are, you know, that we've done something wrong and we deserve this, un this unpleasant feeling. And no matter how many times it's come and how many times it's gone, every time it comes, we recognize it and it takes us over. But if you start to play a little with it, if you have the, uh, enough space in there and enough patience with yourself, you can, you can kind of just, oh, hi, really? You really want to get me all fucked up again? Uh, okay, come on in here. Yeah, this is great. How long are you going to stay? Oh, two years. Oh, fantastic. All right, well, here we go. But yeah. And of course, it's all related. When we're chanting, once again, as soon as you notice you're not paying attention, you come back. And when you've come back, you've, you've deepened the neural pathways in the brain. And the next time you come back, every time you come back, the, you're getting familiarized with the feeling of being here. And that carries over into when these negative emotions come. It's the same syndrome inside, outside, all around. <clears throat> Do I believe that certain mantras are more powerful than other mantras? Uh... I believe the most powerful mantra that you can do is the one that you do. The one you don't do, they're not going to do nothing for you. And that's the whole thing. Next. All the mantras. For me, my understanding is they're all the names of our own true nature that one in which we are all, of which we're all parts, you know? That's the deal. Do 
Do I believe in energy ley lines? I don't not believe in energy ley lines, but I don't know about energy ley lines. Once again, the same question. Someone told me you shouldn't chant kirtans about demigods and should only chant about Krishna. I can pretty much guarantee you that the person who told you that doesn't really know what a demigod is and hasn't actually had the experience of Krishna reality. This is what people do. They just love to fuck up every other, other people. Everybody wants to sell you what they have so they can increase the amount of faith that they don't have in the first place in what they're doing. If someone's at ease and truly involved with what they're doing, they don't want to, they're not missionaries. Don't listen to that stuff. When somebody starts giving you that bullshit, namaste and get the fuck out of there. Sir, I have a question. I am devotee of Nimkuroli Baba. I want to know how to connect to him to the fullest potential and get answers to all the questions. If you are a devotee of Nimkuroli Baba, ask him. And he will guide you. And always Ramnam and Hanuman Chalisa. Period. That's it. All the answers will come to you. <clears throat> Another question about grace and karma. I read it on Baba Ramdas' interview about it, and it troubles me. Well, I'm sorry. I don't know. I don't know what Ramdas said that troubled you. I've heard Ramdas talk about this probably 400,632 times this life, but I can't remember a word he said right now about it. That would trouble you. Um, other than what I said earlier, we are responsible for our actions. We, we will live through the results of our own actions, no question about it. But inside of that, and all around that, grace is available to us. But we don't know where that is, how that is. Uh, you know, a great Zen master, Suzuki Roshi said, you know, come take a walk with me in the rain. But don't, don't hurry. It's raining everywhere. You know, don't try to get out of the rain and to a dry place. It's raining everywhere. So once we're at that much at ease in our life, then we, these kind of questions, they don't inflame us so much. These questions inflame us and worry us and trouble us when, when, we're, when we're not, when we haven't done enough work on ourselves. The answer to these questions it's only going to be in our conceptual mind, our intellect mind, our intellect. That's not enough. 
So don't worry about it. Do some practice, open your heart, become a good human being, treat people well, treat yourself well. Uh, don't get obsessed with trying to figure out things intellectually. You can't. Absolutely cannot. Isn't trying to live a spiritual life in the material world a contradiction? What would it be a contradiction of? You say the material world. Do you know another world? Oh, you think if you go to a cave up in the mountains with no electricity and no water and no food and no other people, you think that's going to be, that's the spiritual world? You think your mind will be calm there? No way. You bring all your stuff with you. You think that's a spiritual world or living in an ashram? There's no place worse for politics than an ashram, for the most part. Everybody's struggling for position. Everybody's struggling for power. Everybody wants to be the one who's most surrendered, the closest to the guru. It's a horror show. <laughs> Not every ashram, most of them. Anyway, what's the question again? <laughs> when you say spiritual life, that means become a good person. The number one rule, as they call the golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Treat others the way you want to be treated by others. That's spiritual world. And that's anywhere you want to be, anywhere you are. You always have that option to treat people well. It takes incredible strength, though, inner strength, to be able to do that, to not get sucked into your, your, your attachments and aversions and clinging and desires and hatreds and jealousies and fear and shame. Should I go on? So that's the material of the world. And if you don't try to find your way, a way to deal with the so-called material world, which is just your own head, where will you go? There's only this world. Where are we going to go? Maybe there's something else some other time, but right now, this is it. This is it. This is it. So let's do the best we can. Okay, um, how to stop comparing ourselves with others. That's a good one. Very hard. Because we're always looking for so much of our time, so much of our, our inner life is trying to, to project something out there that other people will respond to in a way that we want them to respond. And so we're always comparing, we're always evaluating and judging how people see us. 
And of course, how we see others is just the flip side of that. That's comparing. The other side of that is, is evaluation of, of how they're seeing me. I think you just grow up a little bit over time through spiritual practice. You grow up a little bit spiritually and you recognize what your stuff is and then you begin to see that other people have their own stuff too. Even if they look very successful or very charismatic in the world and very lucky and all that, everybody suffers. Everybody has their issues. Nobody loves themselves enough until they do, until we do. So until we love ourselves enough, until we learn to give ourselves a break and not judge ourselves so harshly, we'll always be comparing and judging and evaluating and trying to buy attention and affection from the outside world, from other people. You just have to do the work on yourself. That's what we have to do. Okay. <clears throat> oh, how do I hold my concentration on something that I am doing? Most times I get interrupted by something or other. <laughs> well, of course. If you even notice that you've been interrupted, that means you were trying to pay attention, which means you were practicing. And that's good. When uh, will our minds actually remain where we want them to remain? Who knows? Who knows? But it's our job to do our practice, to aspire to calming the mind and opening the heart. To, to aspire to not um, fighting our way through life and learning how to treat other people well and care about other people and care about ourselves. And um, yeah, until that time, uh, the mind is going to be all over the place, but you have to put the time in. One of the biggest problems with developing a regular spiritual practice or meditation chanting practice is our expectations we think we're going to sit down for a few minutes even an hour a day for for a month or two and that should be enough we should be enlightened i don't think so not for most people anyway and certainly not for me so uh recognize that one has to you know if you want to learn an instrument you have to practice. If you want to learn, uh, if you want to study, you have to read, you have to remember, you have to put the time in. This is the same. If you want to calm your mind, you have to practice. That's what chanting is about. That's what mantra repetition, japa is about. That's what meditation is about, calming the mind is about. There's no button to push that's going to make it happen and allow it to stay that way. So you have to recognize that, that this is, a, a, at the very least, a lifetime commitment 
to trying to get something together, to trying to do, trying to become a good human being. And every, every negative thought and action that we ever did is waiting to come back and beat us up. Once we start to try to calm down, that's when we start to see all the stuff in our heads and our emotions. It's very difficult to work with. But you have to put the time in. There's no two ways about it. All right. Hey. Mm-hmm. 
Lately, I've been hearing about quite a few people that I know closely and not so closely who have died from COVID. Vaccinated, unvaccinated. Uh, so, and 
Then again, all the suffering that's going on in regard to the situation, the pandemic, the lack of work, the lack of mobility, the fact that we're all fighting, so many of us are, at war with our own minds, our own thoughts. And we're trying to run away from that. And there's so much anger and so much inner violence that gets expressed outwardly in the world. Mostly because our minds are eating us alive. And we don't know how to deal with that. You see, there's no button to push to make it go away. For those who don't understand about spiritual practice, about calming the mind, it's torture. And even for us who have supposedly been doing practice for years and years, it's very difficult. And it's difficult to deal with what we see is happening out there. So now we're going to sing Bernice Chalisa. And at the beginning, I'm going to sing the, what's called the Hungry Hearts Prayer. I'm going to sing it three times. Please sing along with me if you know it. And let's send out our light to this world as best we can. Calling out to hungry hearts Everywhere through endless time You who wander, you who thirst I offer you this bold demand Calling out to hungry spirits Everywhere through endless time Calling out hungry hearts All lost and the left behind Gather round and share this meal Your joy and your sorrow And make it mine Calling out to hungry Everywhere through endless time You who wander, you who thirst I offer you this bold demand Calling out to hungry spirits Everywhere through endless time Calling out Hungry hearts, all the lost and the left behind. Gather round and share this meal, your joy and your sorrow, and I make it mine.
calling out to hungry hearts everywhere through endless time you who wander you who thirst I offer you this bold amount calling out to hungry spirits everywhere through endless time calling out to hungry hearts all the lost and the left behind gather around and share this meal your joy and your sorrow I make it known Shri Guru Charan Sarodaraja Jammanu Mukuru Sudhari Varanara Gobar Dhamala Jasu Chodayak Halachari Buddhihin Tanujan Ke Umeram Bhavan Kumar Siyara Alla buddhi vidyat ehu mohi harahu kalesa bhikara Yavara ramachandha padha jesharana Jaya numana jnana guna saga Jaya kapisati hun loka ujara Amadurta tulta baladana Anjani Put Pavana Sutana Mahavir Bekram Pajaran Matinivar Sumatikesan Kanshanavaran Rajasubesa Kananakundalakun Sutakesa Hatabajuro Dwajavera Kande Mujajane Usad Shankar Suvan Kesarinanda Eja Pratap Mahajagaban Vidyavan Guni Atichatu Ramakaja Karebe O Atu Prabhu Charitra Sunebe Korasiya Rama Lakham Sita Mama Vase Sukshma Rupa Dari Siya Hindeka Kata Rupa Dari Lanka Jara Bhima Rupa Dari Asura Sanghari Rama Chantra Kika Jasanva Ayasa Jeevan Lakana Jiyai Shri Raghu Birahar Shri Uralai Raghu Patikini Pohut Barai Tumamama Priya Paratai Samabhai Sahasabadan Tumaroja Sagao Asakahi Shri Patikanta Lagao Sanakadika Brahma Dimunisa Arada 
ಶಾರದ ಸಹಿತ ಅಹಿಸ ನಮ ಕುಬೇರ ತೇಗ ಪಾಲ ಜಹಾಂತೆ ಮಂತ್ರೇಶ್ವರ ಸಹಸ್ರಜೋಜನ್ ರಾಮದುವಾಡೆ ಸಾಶನೇ ಮಹಾವೀರ್ ಜವನಾಮಸುನಾಸೇರೋಗಹರೇಸಬಿಪಿಯಪತ್ತಿರಂತರಹನುಮತ್ತೀರ್ಸಂಕಟತೇನುಮಾನುರಾಜ ಸಾಧು ಸಂತ ಸದಾರೋಪತಿಸ ಮರೆಪಜನಮಕೆ ಮಹಾಸುಖೋ ಪರ ಹನುಮಾನ ಚಲಿಸ 
If we know anything about a path at all. If we know that there might be a way to live in this world, in this world, in a good way, right now, without fear. with an open heart. If we know anything about this, it's only because of the great beings that have gone before us on this path. Out of their love, out of their kindness, they left some footprints for us to follow. So, in the same way that they wish for us In the same way that they wish for us, we wish that all beings everywhere, all of us, be safe, be happy, that all of us have good health and enough to eat. And may we all live in peace and that ease of heart, that ease of heart with whatever comes to us in life. Shanti, Shanti.